Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Living Astrology with Janet Hickox. Grab your cup of coffee or your tea, sit back, and let's chat about what is happening up in the stars above. If you're here in the USA, I hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday. I I did. <laughs> Went away, spent the day in uh, uh, Friday Harbor, which is on an island called San Juan Island out here to my west and uh, had Thanksgiving with my oldest son, my oldest daughter and her family, and um, met my daughter-in-law's dad, who happened to be a very sweet guy. It was really kind of fun. You know, there's always a little bit of, you know, am I going to like this person? Is he going to like me? Um, but it was a day that we got to be grateful for uh, having each other, and grateful for um, abundance in our lives. So I hope and wish that all of you had that as well. And if you weren't in the USA, I hope you had a wonderful weekend anyway. Sorry, I couldn't be here with you on Friday. There was just no way to actually do a broadcast. I didn't have any of my my stuff with me. It was, I guess I could have come on and just jabbered away, but that probably wouldn't have been as beneficial as actually having information that I wanted to share with you. So it's good to see you all. I see Natasha out there. Good morning. And Carol, good morning. Debbie tibbetts Tumiel. good morning. Christine Buckingham, good morning to you. It is good to see you. She's, Debbie says, had a wonderful turkey day. Carol, good morning. I am grateful for you all from Natasha. And good morning all from uh, Christine. And I'm sure others will be joining us here shortly. And uh, this morning, we're going to do a couple of different things. One, um, I don't know why I do what I do sometimes. I just follow, I just follow whatever the inklings are that pop up for me. But for whatever reason this morning, when I was doing the chart for the day, I noticed that the sun, Mercury, and an asteroid called Metis were all together in one spot. Now, at the moment, I did not know that Metis was an asteroid. For some reason, I have been putting her on my daily charts, but I didn't know why I was doing that. I can't remember why or when I did it. And I'm assuming I did it for a reason because I would never have heard of this uh, otherwise. In fact, I still didn't even realize it was an asteroid. I thought it was a fixed star. So I started looking in all of my star lore books for uh, Metis and couldn't find it. And I'm like, what the heck? So finally, I went to Google and did a search and found out, oh yeah, she is an asteroid. And for whatever reason that popped out for me today, I wanted to be able to share it with you. And interestingly enough, it has a connection to Neptune, who is one of the major themes that we're here to talk about today. And Neptune, because this is a powerful week for Neptune, later in the week, Wednesday, uh, Neptune stations direct. And when a planet stations, stations is a word that we use in astrology to say it comes to a standstill and then changes direction. This is apparent. It's not, it's not actual, right? So it's not like Neptune stops on her or his axis and then turns around and goes the other direction. But from our point of view here on Earth, it appears that now that planet will be moving differently across the sky. And we call it retrograde. So he has been in retrograde motion. And now he will be changing back to forward motion. And what do we know when planets change direction or apparent direction, it creates upsets or uh, creates action here on the planet. So knowing that we have a Neptune change going on in the shadow of a solar eclipse, which occurs on the third or the fourth, depending on what time zone, literally the only time zone it happens in the third or on the third is here on the west coast of the USA. Everybody else is going to have it, uh, or if you're in Hawaii, I guess, Hawaii and Alaska, you'll also have it on the third, three hours before we do. Uh, but if you are in mountain time east, it is going to be on the 4th since it happens at 11.43 p.m. Pacific time. And that'll bring it to uh, after midnight on the 4th for those of you further east. If you are in Europe, it will, or at least in the, the UTC time zone, that will be at 7.43 a.m. your time. So the sun should just be rising. You might even be able to catch a glimpse of it. I didn't look at the... Uh, 
the viewing map. So I'm not sure who will see it, but I know I won't because it'll be dark. And it's a solar eclipse, which means that we have to be able to see the sun in order to see the eclipse. So the further east you go, the more likely it is that you're going to see it. So east, even in the European continent and Asia and so forth. But just because we don't see it doesn't mean it isn't effective or affecting us in any way, because it truly does have an effect on everyone. And so we're going to take a look and break it down a little bit. And it holds a place that is a little bit daunting uh, for us this particular week, especially in light of where Neptune is. And it was funny because yesterday after I uh, put up what the, the uh, uh, show today was going to be about, I got an email, of course, from Tom, 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 or a text from Tom telling me uh, that is an intriguing subject title for the show today. And I got that from looking at where Neptune is in the Sabian symbols for his change of direction and for the Sabian symbol for the solar eclipse. And if for those of you who aren't uh, aware of the Sabian symbols, they are on a website called Sabian, interestingly enough, sabiansymbols.com. Um, it is a site by Linda Hill, L-Y-N-D-A, Linda Hill, H-I-L-L. And um, in that, you can find out the meaning for any degree of the zodiac. So uh, ages past, they broke down the, the degrees of the zodiac into um, sentences briefly, really, just brief sentences. So for example, Pisces 21 or Pisces 20, which is where the um, planet Neptune changes direction. Uh, it says, a little white lamb, a child, and a Chinese servant. So from that, we glean a meaning from that degree of the zodiac. And I looked at that and I went, hmm, okay, white lamb, hope maybe, hope. And then, of course, if you look that up, you get an entire story about what that particular degree means. Then if we look at, um, if we look at the degree that the solar eclipse is occurring at on Thursday or on Friday, Saturday, it is uh, Sagittarius 12, 12, 12, 12. Um, a widow's past is brought to light. And so that one gave me a little bit of pause because that means our past coming back to haunt us or in some way retribution for something that has happened in the past or in some way having to work through or square with our past. So we have hope for the future with Neptune's direct motion, and we have retribution or having to square with the past with the solar eclipse. They are occurring within, you know, two days of one another. And that means that we have sort of a forked road, I believe, coming up where we get to choose what it is that we're going to do. And I always like to think about the events of a week, like a Neptune turning direct, uh, a solar eclipse, or uh, anything that's happening in uh, a week that we can say, okay, it happens on this day. I like to think of it as something that's in motion. So we have a beginning uh, or the you know lead up to it. We would call it the waxing of uh, a, a uh, an aspect or a waxing, let's say like getting closer and closer. Then we have the actual aspect or the day or the time uh, that that occurs. And then we have the waning aspect that is, you know, the time afterwards where it may still be affecting us. And often that space of time, depending on the body that we're looking at or the, the star or whatever, it could be anywhere from a few weeks like we have with a uh, Mercury retrograde or a planet going retrograde to just a few days, depending on what the body is. If it's a fast moving body like the moon, we have just a couple of days. But if it's a powerful moon related aspect like a solar eclipse is, then we have a period of time where we are affected by that transit. So it's really hard sometimes to just say in a moment, oh, this is what's going to happen on Friday, or this is what's going to happen on Saturday. Um, we can look at it and we get sort of the story, the storyline of how it is affecting us as a collective, but then also how it's affecting us as an individual. 
So the further out the planet, i.e. Neptune in this case, the more collectively it affects us. But in your own natal chart, you can take a look. If you know your own natal chart, you get an idea of sort of how that part that you're playing in the collective is going to show up in the chart. I wanted to see if I could show you this. Can you guys see that cute little lamp sitting there? I found that at a consignment shop. I know it looks like it's kind of far out there, but it's got um, uh, lily, um, like calla lilies and a dragonfly and then dragonfly cutouts on the shade. And what you can't see is that the, the light through the dragonflies broadcasts a dragonfly on my wall, like a triple kind of dragonfly on the wall. And it's so extraordinary <laughs> that I just had to show it to you, even though you can't really see it very well. Uh, okay, so back to our story here. So what I, I, I like about this time is that we get a sense for what's coming up collectively. And it is these types of things that I look at that give me insight into the clues for 2022 or for the next year, right? So let me just say there are still spots available for attending the webinar on December 14th. And it'll be at noon West Coast time. If you cannot attend live, if you purchase your ticket for $25, you can still get the recording of it. So you'll have the slides, you'll have the video, the audio, you'll have the questions and answers and things like that. So if you can't attend live, no worries, you still have access to it. And um, then you also will have the uh, ability to send in your own questions and to get uh, information that you need for 2022. You can purchase that if you are on um, YouTube underneath the video in the description, there will be a link to go to my website. If you just go to my website, www.living-astrology.com, then scroll down the page a little bit, you'll see it there where you can purchase that. Um, and I'm also offering an astrology for 2022 personalized reading for those of you who want to take a look at what personally might be happening for you for 2022. So there we have a lot. And on Wednesday this week, if, since I'm on a roll with announcements, I will be on, uh, live on, uh, angel heart radio with Annette and she and I will both be sort of doing a retro of 2021. What were the most important aspects that we dealt with? And then also a pre look ahead, uh, a very small one. I don't want to give away everything for what is happening in 2022. So that will be at 3 p.m. West Coast time, 6 p.m. East Coast time on Wednesday. And it'll be the last show of 2021 that I do with her. We, she usually takes off December and I believe the next time we'll be together will be in February. So there's that. All right. Good morning to Susie Gemini and Paulette Peasley. It's good to see you. Andy Girl. Hello. M.A. Jules. Good morning. And let's see. I'm sure there are other people that checked in. Pauline Salia. Good morning. And she says Sabian symbols the first time she's heard about those. Oh, my goodness. Um, Pauline says, did anyone catch Larkma yesterday? Was a message worth waiting for and paying to get the recording? Pam Zaruba, good morning to you. JLo, hello. And anybody else who's checked in and I haven't said anything to, good morning to you. It's good to have everybody here. Uh, Susie says, Mercury has been causing me havoc the last couple of days. I can't type, LOL, <laughs> or communicate. Uh, well, Susie, that likely is because the Sun and Mercury are in a conjunction. They actually came together yesterday. They're still within uh, like 20 seconds of each other sitting here today. Uh, this morning when I drew up the chart, actually, Mercury had moved just a little bit ahead of the Sun as the faster body, of course, that's not surprising, but all three of them now, the, the sun and Mercury and Metis sitting together and Metis for everyone. Again, I said this early in the uh, broadcast is an asteroid. And I actually did not have a clue what she meant, what this was about. So I'm actually, I, I went onto a site and I did not type the name of the site. I want to say it's heaven's I'll have to look it up. Oh, is it still up here? Um, no, I did not keep it open. So sorry, I'll have to find the website for you. Just 
just to be clear, these are not my own words. These are from a website that I looked up, Metis, and it's spelled M as in Mary, E, T as in Tom, I, S as in Sam, Metis. And she is the daughter of Oceanus and Tethys, and that she comes from a myth that is older than Zeus. So she is an ancient goddess that combines the wisdom of Aquarius with the guile and subtlety of Pisces. This lady packs a punch wherever she is in the chart. She is one of the primordial goddesses who cannot be ignored. And here's a, a quote from the story. Zeus, who I'm thinking is also Oceanus, so we've got Greek and Roman myths. Um, Zeus lay with Metis, but immediately feared the consequences. It had been prophesied that Metis would bear extremely powerful children, the first, Athena, and the second, a son more powerful than Zeus himself, who would eventually overthrow Zeus. According to the legend, Zeus persuaded Metis to turn into a fly and swallowed her. She then created a womb inside his head for her daughter, Athena. Racked with agonizing pain, Zeus made Hephaestus split his head open with an axe, giving birth to Athena. Metis in the natal chart connects us to the spiritual wisdom of our divine parents, giving us understanding of the purpose of life events from a spiritual perspective. Metis represents the prayer of serenity. She gives us the wisdom to know the difference between what can be changed and the understanding to face what cannot be changed. So here she is, an asteroid, and it's in the asteroids and um, the stories that we find in the asteroids because they're the feminine goddesses. You know, the planets were all, except Venus and the moon, named after masculine um, characters. And so we have a very strong sense of the patriarchy through the, the planets that are out in the sky. When we get to the 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 asteroids or the, I'm trying to think of the other word we call them. Sometimes we have the asteroids, we have the, um, the, the Chiron bodies, which are centaurs and so forth. We have them sometimes as, as feminine, uh, especially the asteroids uh, as feminine characters. And some of the dwarf planets, that's the word I was looking for, because even in this case, Metis is actually sort of a dwarf planet. She's fairly large for an asteroid. And when Pluto got, you know, demoted from planet to dwarf planet, it increased some of the other planets to dwarf or uh, other asteroids to dwarf planet status. For example, Ceres, right? And Eris, they are almost bigger than Pluto. So they were elevated while Pluto was demoted. None of that has any meaning or bearing as far as how we use them in astrology. But what we did see was the birth of the divine feminine and the that other part of ourselves that had been missing in the sky stories, right? All of the characters pretty much other than Venus were, were mostly um, ignored as far as the feminine roles. So now we have this opportunity through the asteroids to take a look at these feminine roles. So right now we have um, the Sun, Metis, and Mercury at seven degrees of Sagittarius, which puts them pretty darn close to what is happening with the, the solar eclipse coming up this week. So it's worth looking at. It's worth looking at Sagittarius in your own chart. Because when we're starting to take a look at what is happening for the week ahead, we see that Neptune is actually the planet that holds sway here. Even though he's not activated at all in the um, solar uh, eclipse, he's playing a very powerful role through what we see right now and his connection with other planets leading up to the eclipse. And then on Wednesday, his changing of directions. And it is Neptune who in the stories was also partly Athena's father. So we have a, like a triple set of gods that could possibly from different myths be Athena's father or father figure. And we don't hear much about her mother. We know that she was born out of a cleft uh, in her father's head. She sprung forth fully formed, this goddess of war and this goddess of wisdom. And the, the wisdom part to know when and what is worth fighting for, right? What, what battles are worth fighting for sounds a bit like the gate 38, 28, 
in our human design, right? What are the, the battles that are worth waging? And if they're not worth waging, then let's not do, don't get your energy involved in them, right? So the, uh, the reason I looked at this a little bit deeper is because what we see is Neptune right now sitting at the gate 22 in your human design chart. And the gate 22 is on the emotional center, the solar plexus. And the solar plexus gate 22 is in change. It's in flux. It is evolving. It is involving. It is changing us from the inside, right? This, so we know about evolution through the gate 55 and what's changing in our outer world is through the 55, right? Our, our seeing of the outer world. But what we're not necessarily seeing, but we are experiencing is the involution, right? The change from the inside and the gate 22 where Neptune is sitting for an extended period of time or has been sitting for an extended period of time is a gate that we call grace. And in quantum human design, it is a gate that we call surrender. So here's an observation that I'm making in my own family. So you guys have to look to your own families and your own communities. But what I'm noticing in my own family, which I would say is a microcosm of the macrocosm, I would say all of your families are microcosms of the macrocosm, right? The small um, vision of what's happening on the larger uh, uh, frame in the larger picture. And that is of a spiritual awakening. So I get a text message last night from my daughter saying, my gosh, mom, Chris, my husband is waking up like he is. He's now fascinated about he, he's an empath, which I already had told them from his human design. And over the weekend, his father had a, a stroke or a series of strokes. He's doing fine right now, uh, maybe facing a surgery. And, and her husband was in reaction to all these things that are happening. So I'm looking at this, I'm stepping back and I'm looking in and I'm like, one by one by one, my family is waking up. They're waking up to more higher spiritual ideals. And Neptune right now is sitting at a gate in everybody's human design, right? Everybody right now has Neptune sitting at the gate 22, waking us up through a process of surrender to a higher truth, to grace as we recognize our divine helpers, our divine parentage, our, our, our uh, lineage as divine beings. And it's creating a, an awakening across the planet. So if you're like me and you sometimes you look out and you hear those stories that are happening in the news about, you know, this or that, or this person killed that person, or this country's doing this, or God help us, the coronavirus, uh, all of these things that can sometimes trigger fear and, oh my God, is anything ever going to happen? You know, that's positive. The positives are happening, but they might be happening closer to home, right? They might be happening in the confines of your own family, in your community, in your workplace. They might be happening within you and you're seeing it. And as you begin the change, so do other people. So there's like this ripple I'm feeling and I'm getting such chill bumps as I'm, as I'm saying this, um, that it's just rippling through, it's ripping, rippling through the cosmos, right? It's rippling outward and all of you have the gate 22, by the way. So when I say this right now, it's defined for everybody because Neptune is sitting there, but you all have the gate 22, even if normally it isn't defined. If it is an open gate 22, meaning it doesn't have color that extends from it, then you're experiencing surrender or you're experiencing the spiritual awakening or this grace that we talk about as uh, something that's happening outside of you through other people. If you have it defined, meaning it has color on it, then it's something you're experiencing personally. And because it's on the emotional center, it has a pattern of, of sort of weaving in and out, right? Coming in and out. Meaning some days it's in the high expression and it's feeling really good. And then other times it's moving into the lower expression. Now, this is important because this is the gate, of course, that Neptune is turning direct at on Wednesday. 
and I'm going to read you actually the Sabian symbol because I think maybe it gives us a little bit of light as to why this is important for us at this time and how it sets the stage for the more difficult solar eclipse on Friday. So here we go. Um, it's a little white lamb, a child, and a Chinese serpent. This shows being able to provide care, safety, and comfort to those who need it. The child has a servant. He is well looked after. He also has a little white lamb, an animal companion, one he can be with, hug, and enjoy. In our early years, it was the sense of touch that was initially satisfied. If you felt cradled and comfortable, you could grow knowing that all was safe and well. You could find yourself in a place of privilege, cradled from those things that could hurt or challenge you, having someone to look after you. Conversely, you could be the one who's always there for others, supporting and loving them regardless of who they are or where they're from. Being protected by higher, more aware energies, privileges with money and social status, helpers, servants, care, being watched over and watching over others, children. And if we look at it in the more negative aspect where you're being challenged to rise above, it is social incompatibility, snobbery, not having to grow up, not taking responsibility, acting the brat, racial injustice, the school of hard knocks. So what we see really in this degree that Pisces of Pisces that Neptune is changing is about hope for the future. When we are, when we recognize that we don't need to look outside of us for people to care for us, that we have it all within us, right? That we come prepackaged, if you will, for uh, self-care, for being able to support ourselves, but also then having the empathy and the compassion and the love of our fellow human beings. Of course, we're coming up to the winter solstice pretty soon. And that means we're at the time of the year where we're going to change into a different level of love energy. This next level of love energy will be about the love of humanity and as well, the love of self within that love of humanity. So we, we're setting the stage for a lot of powerful loving, more caring, more peaceful and surrendering, trusting energies as we go forward. And another reason why this becomes very important is because as we get later into the month of December, we'll have Pisces being the new home of Jupiter, right, for uh, the next six months or five months or so um, before Jupiter zips along and goes into Aries. So we have a stage being set that holds hope for the future. So if you're feeling down and out about what you see in the world around you, it's only a glimmer, right? It's only a glimmer, a glossing over of, um, a bigger energy, a bigger force behind the scenes, pushing us, propelling us onward into more surrender, trusting, loving, peaceful, nurturing, hopeful energy for the future. Now let's look at the solar eclipse, because when I looked at that at first, I went, nah, how am I going to, you know, I'm always thinking, how am I going to position this? <laughs> how, how am I going to best present this energy uh, in its highest and best light without dragging people into, um, you know, a mud pile? We've got enough mud piles out there, right? The whole world sometimes looks like a big mud pile. Um, and this one, this this degree of Sagittarius that the solar eclipse will be at symbolizes or implies things being revealed, things that have been hidden being revealed. It says a widow's past is brought to light, right? That kind of sends like, well, is her past that of a wicked woman? Is her past that of, you know, an angel in disguise? We don't know, right? We don't know that. But the symbol implies revealing issues, secrets, or problems from the past, in quotes, so that they can be dealt with. There are issues which will be brought to light. Perhaps your past catches up with you, or people in your family or circle of friends have stories, histories, deeds, acts, or personalities that need to be handled with care and tact. There is often a healing as things that have been kept closeted lose some of their charge when they come into the light of day. 
Although you or others may be in a reasonably sympathetic position in the eyes of others, some may not like what is revealed. Hmm. Bring issues to the light where they can be healed, forgiven, and hopefully forgotten. Unveiling and exposing new vibrant beginnings. Yesterday's darkness, looking back to revision attitudes, right? We get to re revise our way of being. Being free for new opportunities. Counselors, grief, failed relationships. And in the more negative aspects, maybe old stories, best forgotten, rehashed stories, someone being caught out, gossip and family secrets that shame, bearing the weight of secrets of shame or loss. So we have some pretty powerful undercurrents going on with the solar eclipse, and we get a chance to deal with it. And it so reminds me of the USA Pluto return, right? That we've talked a little bit about, and I'm sure you've probably heard other astrologers talking about it because of course that's like one of the main, main events of 2022 happens three different times. Actually, one of them happens in 2023. So we have, we have some very powerful undercurrents moving through the USA and a lot of it has to do with this solar eclipse, right? This eclipse here symbolizing a past that we have not yet dealt with, right? This is a country that was born in revolution. This is a country that at regular intervals has gone through revolutionary um, energies. And it's not to say that other countries don't go through revolutions, but ours was birthed via a revolution, right? An overthrowing of the monarchy or that mon monarchy system and in that this country was sort of born with the idea of revolution so whenever things feel too um unfree for lack of a better word when they feel too caught up or chained up we go through a process of unleashing ourselves right or untethering ourselves from uh, government or from a system or from a group, right, of people or um, a belief system, a way of being. And so we see that already building, but it's more than that. It's personal, right? Because it's personal here. This is a solar eclipse. It brings us each, every one of us individually to the potential for healing something from the past. And I would say that this is imperative, right? If we don't heal our own wounds, our own darknesses personally, then how can we expect the larger entities, our communities, our states, our governments, our world, countries, our planet to heal its darkness, its darkness, its dark places, its uh, secrets, its problems from the past. So we have at once a very unique period of time where we can adopt a more peaceful attitude, a more peaceful way of looking at this, a more divine, a more spiritual way of looking at what's going on in the world, and also to let go of our past. And without the retribution, right? Retribution is a part of this. And I feel like, you know, sometimes that retro, well, all the time, all the time, retribution is a reactive um, emotion, right? It is a reactive um, energy. It's not taking the time to breathe in and then respond. It's retribution. I was really worried last week when um, the guy in Wisconsin got off from uh, the 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 riots that occurred in what was it Kenosha, I think, in Wisconsin. And he wasn't held accountable. He was found innocent. I don't know if he was or wasn't because honestly, I did not follow that story very deeply. But I thought the potential for a retribution was really high and a, a reckoning, if you will, of you know people that have been kept down for so long or who have felt um, not a part of the community, or at least not dealt with fairly within the confines of a community or the judicial system, right? Not felt like they were treated fairly within that system. And then 
you know, weird things start popping up, like people just en masse moving into a Nordstrom here. This happened in Seattle, but I bet it happened in other places around the country, too, where they just go in en masse and start looting and taking away things out of the stores, you know, in a show of defiance. I mean, it's a symptom of a bigger problem, right? It's not, oh, you bad people for doing this. Everybody has to take responsibility for their own actions. But if we look at this in the bigger picture, we can see it as a symptom, a retribution against a system that seems to be hell-bent on keeping it like it was and not moving it ahead, right? Not moving forward fast enough. So boy, do we have a loaded week, right? This is this is big stuff in the bigger picture of things. We have, a, it's a, what Greg Braden, I think, would call a choice point, right? We are at a choice point. Do we choose to move forward with love and peace and spiritual awakening? Or do we stay caught up in the retribution of the past, the revolutions that have unchained us from things, but usually in more negative ways? So we have the choice point coming. It's all this week, right? All this week, but even, even into... Uh, the, the weeks after this. Um, so comments, uh, how is everybody feeling out there? Christine says, um, I mean, not Christine, JLo says, can I say it nicely, but then again, not so nicely. I'm here to break all that needs to be broken in my ancestral DNA. I love it. JLo says, I'm going to shake it up. It's in my design if it helps. And indeed, right, we are we're, 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 we're just going through so much, right? But I, I, I don't want you to get caught up in the, the negative of it. I don't want you to get caught up in the, um, in the drama or the trauma of what's happening. It's so easy to do that. Right. And then it becomes a story. Um, uh, starting it's Wednesday, Wednesday, I release at least the first chapter of uh, my book about human design for 2022. And you're going to see that it, we start the year in a powerful breaking with the past by telling a new story, right? How do we break from the past? I was sitting at dinner um, a, a week ago with a, a kid, a young, well, he was my my uh, deceased son's best friend. We're sitting at the table and he's having an emotional issue, right? He was going through some very powerful emotional issues at home. And we were giving him as much guidance as we could about how to deal with it, that, you know, you have to be able to respond. You know me, right? I'm talking to him like I talk to you guys. Don't react, right? Running away was a reaction, right? That's a reaction to something that you were experiencing, and while I'm not going to say that that was the wrong thing to do, it's not solving the issue. So here's how you solve the issue. And we were talking about it, but he kept going back to how, 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 right? He kept saying, but how do I do this? How do I do it? And the the how is by being okay with whatever it is that you're seeing in the moment and choosing, choosing what you do next instead of being the victim of what happens next. And here is, you know, another big energy that's been going on for all of us. Part of the evolution on the planet, the gene key 55, or the, the human design gate 55, also on the solar plexus, the gate that is about the evolution of life on the planet is about letting go of victimization. Right. When you look at the gene keys for the gene key 55, it's victimization or freedom. Right. You know how the gene keys is usually a level. There's three levels. Right. You have the the shadow, the gift and the city. Well, the gift and the city are both freedom where the shadow is victimization. So what does that tell you? That the road, the responsible road ahead lies in releasing victimization and we're victimized by our stories the stories that we hold on to and they're powerful stories i'm not saying that your stories of things that have happened in your life aren't important or that they weren't terrible i lost my son this summer that was terrible 
It's still terrible. I still cry every day over various things that come up over that. But I'm not going to be defined by that as a story, right? It's a story. He died. I'm sad. He's no longer here, but he is here, right? He is here. So your stories, while they are a part of who you are, can also tie you to the victimization that they triggered in the beginning. So this is your grand opportunity to see those stories in a new light, to see those stories and move ahead despite the story and to release yourself from the victimization of the story. I mean, some of you've been through divorce. Some of you've had parents that died terribly. Some of you've been raped. Some of you've been abused. Some of you've been, you know, had people in your family murdered or kidnapped or, you know, any number of stories. And the experiences, while terrible in the moment, are kept alive by the way you relate the stories, right? So I'm not saying that they didn't happen or that you shouldn't remember that they happened, but tell the story in a new way, in the blessings that have arrived since the story, right? Or what did you learn from the, the situation? Not keeping yourself tied to the victim, right? That's the old path, right? The new path is about how do we want to surrender that old story? Or do we, right? We can choose, we get to choose. We could stick with the old story. And I have a feeling that on this planet, there's a big split coming in people that want to, well, we, we see the split already in the physical, right? In the polarization, but I feel like even, you know, possibly a new earth breaking off into a new, a, a less victim story with uh, people who want to stick with the victim story going on in their victimization. So in interesting times we live in, you know, they always say, may you live in interesting times. Now we also, when we look at the gate 22 where Neptune is, and this is a Neptune here for a while. So he's here when he changes direction, that the, the, the risk of getting caught up in the emotional turmoil or the emotional um, energy here in the, in the, and in the being emotional or being moody here, and I'm not saying that we're not moody because we are, right? But the potential here is that we shut down the path for creativity. We can shut down the path to abundance because we feel not supported, but we are all supported, right? We're all supported here. And that's the thing to remember, even in the midst of the turmoil, even in the midst of, you know, things happening in your family that are not in your family, your community, your, your friends that aren't particularly fun or exciting or, you know, the preferred uh, things that occur, they're life things that occur. People die, people get sick, um, people do terrible things to other people, um, but not to get caught up in the victim part of that story, right? Recognize it. Yes, this happened. I'm not saying gloss it over, but I am saying you get to choose about how it is that you're going to proceed. All right. Now, when we start the day today, we look at the moon. It's in Libra. It opened into Libra very early this morning, my time. So just a little after midnight, my time. So 3 a.m. ish. I think it's actually 58 minutes after the hour. Uh, for those of you on the East Coast. So we're in the early degrees of Libra. And of course, Libra rules our relationships, our marriage, our agreements, our contracts that we make with one another. And it is interesting because in our relationships, what we're learning is about interdependence. Not the, the shadow in Libra is about de, uh, codependence, right? So that's the shadow or being overly dependent. What we are learning about is interdependence. And that becomes a theme for the day because the moon will be coming into an opposition with Chiron. Chiron is in Aries where we're learning more and more about interdependence, how, how all of us are woven together in this story here on the planet, that no woman is an island, right? That we are together in this, but that we don't need to be dependent upon one another or in totally independent that we're coming somewhere here in the middle 
This is a sign today bringing us into harmony, uh, peace and beauty and uh, art, the beautiful side of things, the more harmonious side of things, the more colorful side of things. This is hooking us into Venus's energy today. Venus also a big player right now, right? We don't forget she's in Capricorn and she's slowing down because she's going to turn retrograde this month. And then she is in Capricorn all the way until March 6th. So we have a long period of time where we are reforming ourselves and others within our relationships, right? She's helping us to, to reform, to come onto more solid ground in our relationships over this long period of time. But it's also finances and self-worth and our uh, resources and so forth. So on a bigger scheme, we might have the resources that we need to contend with. We're hearing already the, the federal government here in this, I think it was other countries too, looking to tap into their reserve oil supplies to force prices downward because fuel is becoming so expensive. So we have this idea that Venus in Capricorn is forcing some changes. And right now, with um, the moon sitting in Libra, we're hooking into that Venus energy, looking at how it is we can bring harmony or balance some of these energies. Fairness is also a quality of Libra energy, balance and equality, all of that. Seeing things from multiple viewpoints, right? Not getting stuck in your own opinionated way of seeing the world, stepping back and seeing it from God's point of view, if you will, or from goddess's point of view, if you will, right? Seeing it from the bigger perspective. Teamwork. Libra is a sign of the three C's, right? My three C's, co-creation, collaboration, cooperation, teamwork, where we value diplomacy and tact and working together, the art of negotiation. How do we see things from multiple perspectives and work a deal, if you will, that supports everyone or as many people as possible? In the more negative expression of Libra and energy, the moon might be focusing on our loss of self, right? How are we giving away too much of ourself to make other people happy? How are we being robbed of de good decision making because we are waffling or we are in indecisive mode? Or how is it that we are getting caught up in aimless debate and arguing, right? You know what I'm talking about, the kind where we just keep going round and around and around in an aimless debate. So those are some of the lower sides in the body. Uh, Libra equates to your adrenal glands, which sit on top of the kidneys. So we have the adrenals, we have the kidneys, we have diabetes. So we have all the secretory functions of the adrenals. So cortisol or cortisone, cortisols and uh, uh, adrenaline and all of the hormones that uh, come from uh, insulin even coming from uh, a connection to the adrenals and whether we are stressed or not is by large part in the adrenal glands, right? The adrenals are supporting uh, our ability to take flight, to fight, flight, or freeze, right? That's It's an ancient system that aids us in survival. But if we get caught in that survival energy, <clears throat> then we stress the adrenals, right? We stress ourselves and it leads to uh, problems in the kidneys or possibly in the pancreas and diabetes, that kind of thing, uh, imbalances in our uh, hormones. All right, questions. How's everybody doing out there? Uh, Neptune is opposing my ascendant, Susie Gemini says. So opposing your ascendant. So let's not look at it like that. Let's look at it as it is conjunct your descendant, right? still puts it in an opposition to your ascendant, but it's conjunct your descendant. So seeing yourself in your relationships through spirit's eyes, seeing yourself in your relationships through spirit's eyes, right? Through the mirror that is the mirror of the divine. So maybe that will help you out there. Um, JLo says, oh shoot, here we go. Make sure I have a notebook for notes. It's my lunar return, rewire the frequency of how it vibrates. I love the comments, JLo, a lunar return. So I've been, I've been doing a lot of studying over the last couple of weeks. And a lot of that has to do with stars, the stars. I think I, I've mentioned this to you guys that I'm fascinated by the stars, but I'm also 
in the midst of that, taking a look at our two luminaries, the sun and the moon in a new way or not in a new way. Let's call it a broader way, because I think I've always looked at it like this. I just didn't realize that that's what I was doing in that the sun is the light, right? It's the it's the star uh, of our Milky Way galaxy or of our uh, solar system. And as the star of our solar system, it holds a lot of power uh, to give us our personalities, right? To imbue us with personalities. It doesn't necessarily mean that our personalities are fully formed by the sun. It means that we are informed by the placement of the sun as to what we'll be focused on or what we are good at, where our talents lie, what our personality is um, good for. Like I'm a Gemini. In my personality, the sun sitting at Gemini makes me a communicator, wants to make, help me share ideas. I'm an idea generator and an idea sharer. Sharer, say that 10 times fast. I always envisioned myself as sort of the center of a hub or the, you know, when you think of a bicycle tire and you've got all of these spokes, right? That I feel sometimes like the center of that hub and I'm shooting out all these different ideas and um, support that helps people to see the, the whole, the rounder picture, right? That That's just this picture I've always had. The moon has no power on her own except to take the light of the sun and take it and imbue us with it at night in our sleep, right? She is reflecting the light of the sun and sort of giving it to us in our dreams, right? So the light of the moon as reflected from the sun comes inward. It hits our emotional body. It hits our spiritual body. It gives us access to the more emotional, more feminine, more uh, in the womb sort of light. And that means it's not so harsh, right? The sun is pretty harsh. Um, we, we're told not to look at the sun. Why? Because it will blind us. It is so bright, right? So we can't look at the sun, but we look at the moon right? We can look at the moon and the moon holds the reflection then of the sun's light. So the moon and sun relationship at your birth is very important because it shows you by placement in your chart where the sun's light will be reflected. So does that make sense to everybody? And periodically then you're going to have a, a lunar return, which was what JLo was talking about, where the moon comes back to the same place it was when you were born. We have that once a month, a lunar return. But we also have a progressed moon. The progressed moon takes 29 years to move completely around the wheel. So it spends about 29 months in any one sign. The progressed moon is in a relationship with your progressed sun. And the sun moves ahead one degree for every year of your life. So if you are 30 years old, the sun has progressed 30 degrees in your chart. So I was born as a 28 degree Gemini, 30 degrees forward. When I turned 30, I was now, the sun was progressed to 28 degrees Cancer. And now that I'm 60, it's progressed closer to about 26, 27 degrees of Leo. So we're taking in the, the, then the relationship of the sun at birth to the progressed sun, to the moon at birth, to the progressed moon and its relationship to the progressed sun. So we have lots of different things to look at about what it is that's happening in our lives right now. So JLo, just because you're having a, a lunar return is just part of this picture, right? It's just part of the picture. So um, take in the bigger picture, right? Look, step back, step back and see what is the light of the moon reflecting to you. Now, remember, this is a solar eclipse that is coming up on Friday, Friday, Saturday. And a solar eclipse means that the light of the sun is dimmed, right? The sun is what is dimmed by the earth's shadow so or the moon's shadow. So what we have then is the tapping into the more emotional, the more inward-facing energies rather than the energies of the sun. So the sun in Sagittarius is often 
going to be responsible for some of our beliefs that are so entrenched that we can't let go of them. It is where fundamentalism lives. Fundamentalism in politics, religion, any belief system, right? Any belief system, including astrology, right? Wherever we have this entrenchedness, we can look to Sagittarius for that. Sagittarius, one of the big key words is freedom. It's a fire sign, right? So it burns away the old in favor of the, the new, right? And it's mutable in that it's moving in forward, right? It, it's changing. So we are all getting a chance because of the solar eclipse to, and the lights of the sun being dimmed to see something more about our future, right? To really claim um, a new spiritual birthright to see things from that higher perspective, right? So think about it that way, then you're seeing things in a whole new way. All right, we're getting five minutes left here. So let's take a look at the bigger picture of the week. Today, Monday, we have the sun Metis mercury conjunction. We talked about that at the beginning of the show. We also have the continuation of Mercury conjunct the sun. So now we're at the halfway point of Mercury's cycle with the sun. So we're halfway to the next retrograde. And this is a time for us to reevaluate the messages that are coming in. We also have Mars in a trine to Neptune. That's, that further strengthens or gives dynamic motion to our spirituality, to our moving ahead spiritually. We also have Mercury in a sextile to Saturn today, which... To me, with a sextile, we have a positive relationship between the planets. So Saturn right now in Aquarius, his focus on uh, Aquarian future energy. How are we setting ourselves up now for um, lengthy you know, future, for being able to have a solid future? And Mercury bringing in messages, possibly from the sun's conjunction, right, to be able to give Saturn more information to work with. Tomorrow, Tuesday, Venus comes into a sextile with Neptune. So we've had Mercury in a trine, or Mars, excuse me, in a trine to Neptune. And we have Venus in a sextile to Neptune. We have inner planets dancing with Neptune or divine energy, spiritual energy. And then the sun also coming into a sextile with Saturn because Mercury was in a sextile to Saturn and Mercury and the sun were in a conjunction. Therefore, they are coming into a sextile, the sun and Saturn. So adding some energy to taking new steps to further our future, to solidify our future. Wednesday, Neptune is stationing direct at 20 degrees of Pisces. Let me give you a time for that. I have one. Neptune's, I don't have, yes, I do have a time. 1.02 a.m., so very, and that is West Coast time. So 4.02 a.m. for those of you on the East Coast and uh, in the morning, the workday. So when a planet like Neptune changes direction, because he rules confusion, he rules doubt, he rules uh, not seeing things clearly, that that day may be not a good one for making big decisions. It might be a day where people are confused or the messages get lost in the shuffle. So just be aware of that. And that can last, that can be actually all week long because we're now headed to that. Then we have the three or so days while Neptune is hanging there. And then we have the uh, forward motion that may take another few days after the solar eclipse for things to um, sort of balance out a little bit. So don't forget that. Uh, Friday, the solar eclipse, we talked about Saturday, the solar eclipse for those of you who are outside of the west coast or the hawaiian time zones um you guys are experiencing it early in the morning on saturday all right questions let's take a look here corey good morning she says i'm late so i'm heading back to the beginning have a great day good to see you corey i need to chat with you corey because we were going to have you come on and talk to people about your books and i need to know what date we set that for or if you're ready to set a date um, JLo, I love every moment of this journey. The exchange as I learn is amazing. You were very, very truly gifted that way to be so open to uh, all of these different things that are changing. Uh, let's draw some cards, shall we? I feel like we need something to show us direction. Um, oh, first, let me show you all these wonderful books. I'll tell you, I told you I was into stars suddenly, right? So I got 
star names, their lore and meaning. Oh, yes. Look how thick this one is. I'm not sure I'm ever going to get through that one. Star lore, myths, legends, and facts. And I got patterns in the sky, right? And then underneath that, it says myths and legends of the stars. So here's the stories of the stars. I cannot wait to share that. And then I think my grandmother had something to do with this one. They dance in the sky, Native American star myths. I can't wait to read that and share that with you. I came home from Thanksgiving to those books on my doorstep, thankfully. Um, so let's see. I feel like we need an angel guide and we need a spirit animal for us to move through this week. And don't forget, um, I will be seeing everybody, hopefully, um, halfway point of the week, Wednesday, uh, for Angel Heart Radio. All you need to do is go to Facebook. Um, in the search, type in Angel Heart Radio. She broadcasts live to that page at 3 p.m. Pacific time. So 6 p.m. East Coast time. Might be a little bit more evening-ish for those of you in Europe. I'm not sure how that, maybe 7 p.m. No, 3 p.m. is going to be more like 10 o'clock at night, maybe 11 o'clock. So I apologize. That's a late time for you all, but it's also recorded. So you can go back to the page and get the recording. So on Wednesday... 3 p.m. on Angel Heart Radio. Then on Friday, um, I will be here as well. And we get Rabbit Spirit. Now is a lucky time. I love that. Okay, so let's do that. And then I'll get into the Angel deck. Oh, 49. So that's a 13. Ooh, that's a lucky number, which is also a four. So setting up a foundation of luck, perhaps. I like this. And she came out upright, so she was upright like this. Um, a sunny meadow calls, and Rabbit Spirit appears to lead you out of your dark warren and into the light so that you can participate in a fertile and beautiful experience. It may seem safe below ground, but the magic happens when you come out and take the risk of being vulnerable and co-creating something new. You are being invited into a new life that you have no experience with, but have no fear. Today is also a time to be fruitful and productive as you enjoy Rabbit Spirit's sunny and prolific energy. At this time, whatever you intend to bring to life will find fertile ground. There are no mistakes. Really, then you are co-creating with Spirit. So let new ideas spring to the surface, knowing that now is a lucky time of tremendous possibility. Gotta love her. Rabbit, rabbit, rabbit. Okay, now the Angel Guide Oracle is by Kyle Gray. So we have a deck that is guidance from the angels and the angel guide oracle. And hmm. cut the cords. Interesting. Cut the cords. This is what the card looks like. And they're not numbered. So I'm assuming they are alphabetical in here. Yep cut the cords. Here's the message. In spirituality, cords are the energetic bonds that connect us to a situation, person, or place. There are different types of cords, but in this context, they are connections to situations or people that can have a negative and draining effect upon us. We can also create a negative cord when we have an expectation of the outcome of a situation, especially when it is outside our control. So this is an important time for you to release any attachments to people, places, situations, outcomes, or anything else that could be limiting your, expen your experience of joy. Angels are wrapping you in a light of love so that you can lovingly detach from situations that could be draining, dramatic, or damaging your health and or purpose. The extended message. If you are finding yourself hanging on in a situation you know is unhealthy or negative, Angel Wisdom is encouraging you to call upon the help you need to release yourself from it. Know that angels are guiding you to surrender the need to direct and control at this time so you can welcome in the spiritual support that is available to you. When you ask your angels to support you in cutting the cords, they will help dissolve the connections that are hooking you into a negative situation. You have to do your part too by removing yourself from harmful and draining situations. If you have any questions regarding a situation, relationship, or outcome at this time, 
know that you are being guided to find a new way forward as it will be more rewarding and replenishing for you. Ultimately, cutting the cords is an act of self-care and self-love. Love it. Cut the cords, right? Let go of things in the past and come on into surrender to a future that is bright. And just as I say that, of course, the sun has emerged out from the clouds that are keeping us in flooding. Well, it's been a great day. I hope you all got a lot from our chat today. If I've confused you, please text me, email some questions. I'll be happy to take a look at those. And don't forget Wednesday on Angel Heart Radio. Don't forget to get your ticket to the webinar for Astrology of 2022. And in the meantime, take care. Much love to all of you. See you on Wednesday on Angel Heart and Friday morning back here on Living Astrology. Bye for now. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.